Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. Our democracy is at risk. This according to Destiny Wells. Destiny Wells is running for Secretary of State in Indiana. She's a Democrat seeking the nomination, and she wants you to know that democracy is at risk. Now, I ask you the following question, my dear Hoosiers. Who wrote that line for? You think she, she, she came upon that by herself? Do you think after a tremendous amount of study and understanding of history and threats uh, to, to the very concepts of freedom and liberty around the globe, she was able to determine that the American democracy at, is at risk because we won't allow for mail-in voting? Or did she say, hey, I'm a Democrat running for office. What are my bullet points? Okay, this is what you want me to say. Whatever you want, just please, please vote for me. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. It is good to be with you on Facebook. Tony Katz Radio. Everything at TonyKatz.com. I don't know Destiny Wells, and I'm not saying she isn't a lovely person. I don't know her. I don't know her at all. So I have nothing else I can base this on except for this conversation she had over there at Wish TV with all Indiana politics. She's the former Indiana Deputy Attorney General seeking Democratic nomination for Secretary of State. She tells all Indiana politics that many politicians claim that elections are not safe, but she agrees for vastly different reasons. Here's the quote. They are not safe in a different way, and that's looking towards the future. These are issues of voter suppression and election subversion. Those are the issues that leave voter ballots not safe, and that's manipulating the process by election officials. So now, Destiny Wells has to answer for us the following question. How is not having mail-in balloting Voter suppression. Let, let, let's, let's ask the question again. Let's make sure we, we, we've got it all together. How is not having mail-in balloting voter suppression? I'll wait. Producer Ari says it's because you don't have a car. And welcome back, Producer Ari. Already back, not even a full day, and you're ruining everything. I was just asking the question. I asked if you don't have a car. No, because you didn't have a car prior. See, this is the argument that is made. We have to have mail-in balloting. If you don't have this one thing, you're not allowing people to vote. Well, what did we do for all the years prior? Was it all voter suppression? And the answer is, of course, it wasn't all voter suppression. Because it's not voter suppression. Because the person who doesn't have a car can still get, a ma- can still get an absentee ballot. Notice we're not having a conversation about absentee ballots. We're having a conversation about mailing things in and, of course, mailing things out. If you believe it is healthy and smart for any society to simply mail ballots, not knowing whom they go to, and expecting that not to create an opportunity for fraud, you're an unserious person. Several states... No, they don't do it that way. What they do is they mail out ballots to people who have requested ballots. This is a conversation about just mailing out ballots to whether you have requested it or not. No, it's not. Yes, this, this is exactly what 
we're seeing both from the John Lewis Voting Rights Act and for the For the People Act. Oh, yes, And correct. this is certainly the conversation that is taking place amongst the progressive left all over. Yeah, you're right, you're right. You would argue, Producer Ari, and rightfully so, that you want voting to be easier. You and I disagree uh, about that. I want voting to have a set of rules, and I don't mind if there is a stringency to the rules. What I want is not for every person to have a vote. I want every citizen to have a vote. There's a great difference between me and the political left. I want a voter ID checked because I want to limit the opportunities for fraud. And the people who don't want that, as far as I am concerned, are suspect. So I should ask if Destiny Wells believes in voter ID laws or... Is, uh, is 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 that something that is subversion? And is it something that is a voter suppression? Here's what she says. Wells points to the strict standards. You can find the story at WIBC.com, by the way. Wells points to the strict standards for voting IDs. She claims she couldn't even use her own government-issued ID to vote and had to figure out another method. She says uh, this type of restriction has to be addressed. Why, why, what makes you think... Wait, hold on. What makes you think we're going to believe you that you couldn't use your ID to vote? Please give us the story here. When you look at when voter ID was enacted in Indiana in years such as 2014, we were last in the nation in voter participation. Yes, that was eight years ago. Now answer the question about why you disagree with the idea of an ID in order to vote. You do not agree, as the story goes, with the notion that stricter voter ID rules make people feel better about the integrity of an election. Well, I don't know if it makes people feel better. The question is, does it create more integrity? Shouldn't we know who's voting? And the follow-up is, do you believe I need an ID to buy Sudafed? Which, uh, my wife, the other day, needed an ID to buy Sudafed, and I was out of my head. No, because you can make meth with it. You could do more harm with the vote than you can with meth. Fight me. I guess that's true. Yeah, do, you, do, you, do we guess that's true? And by the way, don't do meth, kids. Meth is bad. This is Tony Katz telling you, don't do meth. <laughs> I'm glad you prefaced, prefaced that. I want to know what she, where she got these talking points, and I want to know why she thinks this is going to win her anything. The progressive left is engaged in all these conversations. Hoosiers are not. Destiny, what the hell are you doing? Who are you talking to? Who do you think is with you on this that you're going to pull over and somehow win an election? I want to look at voter ID and talk about expanding the different types of ID that could be used at the polls. First, you're making the argument that I can't use a state ID or I can't get a state ID. But I will tell you this right now, Destiny Wells. Any ID you think of has to be able to be used to get Sudafed. And if you dare say there's a difference, I discount you. I am setting the standard for Destiny Wells and how this happens. You want to expand the types of IDs. Okay. Well, driver's license is certainly the, the, the standard. And then let's say you don't have a driver's license. You have a, an, an ID card from the state. That would be a standard as well. Uh, passport. Passport always works. Passport always works. What else would you like to use? Would you like to use a, uh, a bill from the, from the gas company? 
that doesn't have your face on it. So we need some kind of physical, some, some, some kind of picture ID. You want to use some college ID? Now we have a problem. Because college IDs don't determine citizenship. Now, you could say to me, a, a driver's license doesn't determine citizenship either. Well, we've got a whole other thing about that to discuss. But it certainly doesn't show that the person lives in Indiana. It, uh, your, your ID from IU is not sufficient. It proves you're you. It doesn't prove that you're a citizen. Am I asking too much? Am I asking too much? If it costs money to get an ID, is that not a deterrent? If it costs money to get an ID, that would be referred to as a poll tax, the idea that you would charge people to vote. I oppose all poll taxes, and I will support any legislation uh, that just by itself, with no other add-ons, makes an identification free, although I don't know what an identification costs right now. But it's funny that no one discusses this when it comes to buying Sudafed. I should be able to buy Sudafed without a poll tax. Just saying what is. Just describing the facts as presented, but it's voting and voting is sacred because I believe that to be true and voting does matter. And I believe that to be true. And these could be places that Destiny Wells and I uh, uh, agree with each other. These could be places where Destiny Wells and I come together. I, I don't mind that. I appreciate that very, very much. But if she's going to expand the IDs, well, then I need those IDs to be able to buy Sudafed. You can use them to vote, but you can't use them to buy Sudafed. That's that's my that's my bar. Figure it out. But it's interesting. I mean, she's got a history, 20 years in the military. She's got a story. Good on her. I'm not I'm not angry. I am saying that these are talking points that Hoosiers are not moved by. This is leftism pablum nonsense and i would appreciate it if you gave us you and talked about you i think that's a better way to go about it i know i know tony why are you giving democrats advice well i'm a good guy and i honestly don't want this 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 nonsense i don't want this to be the talking point the Secretary of State, or someone running for Secretary of State, is actually going to go about wanting to mail out ballots willy-nilly? That's not safe. But more important than that, it's a talking point that comes from a political party that clearly can't win in Indiana. So why don't you be the kind of Democrat that talks about what Hoosiers want to talk about? Get a little independent streak and get her done. Just one man's theory. But hey, no, no, you do you. You, you, you do you. Happy to talk anytime, Destiny Wells. I'm Tony Katz. This weekend saved the NFL. No. Period. No. This weekend saved the NFL. It's terrible. I don't know what you're talking about. Those four games. Terrible. Down to the wire. Awful. Field goal being the three of the four and the fourth game being nonsense overtime rules that are definitely going to be changed.
Save the NFL. Created an excitement they have not felt in years. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. Now, you got to understand that producer Ari is very upset that his Green Bay Packers lost to the San Francisco 49ers 13-10. Um, allow me to say now, Aaron Rodgers is a great quarterback. True. But he can't win the big stuff. He can't handle the pressure. End of list. If you're asking me, was it a choke job? Like, yes, it was a choke job. I'm not going to sit here and deny it. Like, it's very unfortunate. Very, very unfortunate. And it's happened a lot. It's who he is. Okay. He- you realize there are... 21 other players who start besides Aaron Rodgers is an old Wisconsin term for Tony Romo. Oh my, Tony, if you were in the studio right now, I would fight you. He's so angry. Then you have the Rams beating uh, Tampa Bay 30 to 27 last second field goal. That game should not have been close. The Rams were ahead 27 to 3. I honestly bet on the Buccaneers when they were down 27 to 3, and I thought I was going to win so much money. Dude. They, they, four fumbles. They choked. The weird snap that that Stafford wasn't ready for, all, I mean, you just thought it was, man, the Lions have come to haunt. But Stafford bringing that team back down, his legend has been made. You you throw so much shrapnel at the Lions. It's unreal. Yeah, well, it's fun. (laughs) Jeez. But Stafford did good work, man. He's impressive. That's two. That is two playoff wins. I'm good for him for Matt Stafford. Good for him. I like Matt Stafford. And clearly, the Rams have all of the momentum going against the 49ers. The Rams are a better team than the 49ers, and I'm picking the Rams. Oh no way, dude! I'm picking the 49ers. Oh, well, you're just silly. Then now, I say this knowing that they collapsed in that second half. I don't think that happens again. I don't think four turnovers happen again. I just don't. I just don't think that's the way it goes. In the AFC, Cincinnati over the Titans was fun. Yes, it was. It was really... Did you win money? No, I didn't bet. I just enjoyed... I loved the game. I watched it with no money on the line. It was so much fun. It was a good game. I think Vrabel, was, was the coach of the Titans, was very surprised, very shocked, very off-put. And I'm sure right now he's somewhere nursing a bourbon saying, holy cow, that really happened. Son of a gun. You sack the quarterback nine times and lose. Like, what does that ever happen? So there's, there's a thing right there. Um, and I like Cincinnati. I like Joe Burrows. I, I, think, I think it's a... Yeah. It, it's, a, it's a fun bit of playing that's going to be happening. Fun team. Really fun team. But Kansas City-Buffalo, they're going to be talking about this game for forever. People were discussing the fact, holy cow, we got a Super Bowl in January. It was great. 42-36 is the final. Kansas City in overtime. And the entirety of the overtime rules are going to get looked at. That's They're going to change. Guaranteed or your money back. Nobody wanted it to be one and done in overtime. So here's how it goes. You've got uh, the Bills ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, no. That's it. You you got the Bills ahead. Yeah, exactly. And then the Chiefs just walking down the field with less than two minutes left. Boom. They're ahead. Then Josh Allen and Buffalo walks it down the field. Boom. They're up by three. 17 seconds left. 13, Bills up no, by three. 13 seconds. Oh, is it 13? 13, 13 seconds left. The Bills are up by three. 13 seconds left. Mahomes, 13 seconds. What can he do? Brings it down the field in two plays. Field goal ties the game. Buffalo doesn't even know what happened. Yep. Then they flip a coin for overtime. Uh, you are so disingenuous. They flip a coin for overtime. That's what they did. Chiefs get the ball. 
touchdown uh, to Travis Kelsey in the, in the corner. There. It's not Kelsey. It's Kelsey. No, it's Kelsey. Uh, it's Kelsey. Trust me. A boom no, in the corner. It's, it's, it's how you not. pronounce his name. Next thing you know, they win. 42-36. That's it. Because when you score on a touchdown, the other team doesn't get the ball. If you have possession and you score on a touchdown, see, if you score a field goal, they can come back and score a field goal or a touchdown. Field goal will keep the game going. Touchdown will end the game. But because they scored a touchdown, that was it. And no one got a chance, and the Buffalo didn't get a chance. Josh Allen didn't get a chance to try and tie it up because that's the... The uh, the rules of overtime. It's going to change. Please. Because nobody, nobody wanted the game to end like that. Like, what are you? Tony, did Buffalo have a lead with 13 seconds left kicking off the ball? Doesn't matter. Did they allow the Kansas City Chiefs to go 25 yards in, 13, in nine seconds to get a field goal? Yes, of course. Oh, yeah. Oh, and that doesn't oh, matter. So un- Unquestionable. And that's pretty much, oh, well, oh, well. Well, we need to give Josh Allen another chance. There no, are- no, no. What it is about is when you are seeing two people battle, you want to see the battle equally. One and done is not it. It's That's not- what people object to, do, and do, rightfully so. Do Correct me if I'm wrong, and I, I could be wrong. Do you play offense and defense in the NFL? No, I do not. Oh, you don't, but the NFL teams do. So you're just telling me that the defense that you know Buffalo allowed to go down and score a touchdown doesn't matter. And if that's your point, then fine. Overtime should be both quarterbacks come out and have a skills competition because who cares about defense? It doesn't matter. You're 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 not making an argument. Yes, you're, you're, I am. You're, make, you're making an angry, bitter, bitter thing. No, the fact that the Buffalo allowed them in 13 seconds to go down and score that we're sitting here saying, oh, poor Josh Allen. Poor Josh Allen. His what defense the, allowed them the to go down. What the fan wanted to see was a chance. That's it. The fact that their defense choked, that's a real story. I think that should be addressed, but that's going to get addressed by more of the sports guys if any of them have any decency whatsoever. The fan... Oh, wants this. So if Patrick Mahomes went down and scored, and Josh Allen got the ball back and scored and went for two, would you say, "Well, Patrick Mahomes didn't get a chance to go for two? Nope, nope. They made a decision not to go for two uh, with Josh Allen and the Bills. They never got a chance to tie it up, and that's what people are saying they want. Ah, uh, it's such a ridiculous argument that you're discounting half of the team. The defense doesn't matter. Is is utterly yes because it's a whole team. Exactly. It's a whole team. Exactly. You're saying, well, you need Josh Allen's offense to get a chance. Says who? The fans. And I don't care about what they think. Trust me on that, guys. Meanwhile, gun laws in Indiana getting stranger all the time. Keep it right here. I'm Tony Katz. And we've created a new framework of understanding about our mutual responsibility to address what the hell's going on here. And I say that with emphasis. I see what you see. I see what you've been covering. I see what everybody's seeing. Asking myself, what the hell is going on? I mean, look like a third world country, these images, the drone images that were on the night of the news, day in and day out. That's the governor of California, Gavin Newsom, talking about what's happening all around the trains. The train theft that's going on, the garbage that's everywhere, the destruction that's everywhere. What the hell's going on? It looks like a third world nation. Well, I'm pretty sure that gets gets you in trouble with the press if you call anything a third world nation. 
He's lucky he didn't call the area near the trains a, a blank hole country. Hoo-wee. That's really Tony funny. Katz, Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you on Facebook, Tony Katz Radio. Check out the Morning Rumble. It's every day there at rumble.com at 10 a.m. Eastern, presented by Americans for Prosperity. It's going great. Fantastic video series. You got to check it out for yourself. Uh, the Morning Rumble every single day. We've been talking about firearms and what's going on in Indiana. Talking about the the push for, for example, constitutional carry, sometimes referred to as lawful carry. And then there is a secondary push going on with something called House Bill 1114, which is getting a, an interesting reaction, one that I think is has to be understood but when it comes to constitutional carry is it really the governor eric holcomb who's keeping that from happening guy relford joins us right now he is the gun guy on 93.1 fm wibc he is a second amendment lawyer of by trade what relford law is that name and he is the man behind the 2a project number two letter a the 2a project dot com i want to take these two things in parts and i want to start with House Bill 1114, because House Bill 1114 is interesting, and I even have questions. It is to put a change to the idea of reasonable force to protect one's personal property, and that includes the idea of pointing a gun at someone who's trying to break into your home or business. As you see it, that is something that should be allowed through the self-defense statute, and you should be allowed to point your firearm at somebody. I have always been taught that if you're going to point at something, you better be damn well ready to destroy it. So what is HB 1114? What does it actually well, Tony, do, and who's opposed what, what, to it? What HB uh, 1114 is, is it fixes a problem that was really created by the Indiana Court of Appeals. And what I mean by that is that the Indiana's uh, self-defense statute has a provision in it that allows you to re- use reasonable force to uh, defend your personal property. So we're talking about property other than your home. Your home's covered by a whole different set of rules because that's the castle doctrine. But in terms of your personal property, so your business or your car or your wallet uh, or anything along those lines, that's gov- governed by a different set of rules. And the Indiana self-defense statute says you can use reasonable force to defend your business or your property other than your home, um, but you can't use deadly force. And and not many of us have a, a problem with that, except that here in 2001, the Indiana Court of Appeals in a case called Nance versus State dealt with a situation where someone was um, preventing the theft of a bulldozer. And at, at one point during his interaction, he pointed a gun at the person who was stealing the bulldozer. And the question became, was that reasonable force, which you can use to defend your property? Uh, And the Court of Appeals said, no, we think pointing a gun at someone creates a whole host of dangers, uh, including uh, a substantial risk of serious bodily injury, which is the definition of deadly force. And since you can't use deadly force to defend your property, you can't point a gun at someone to defend your property. That, That leaves us in what I think is a ridiculous 
situation, which is that if I'm standing in front of my business, say during the riots of last year, I'm standing in front of my business and someone walks up toward my business with a Molotov cocktail intending to throw it through the window and burn my business to the ground. Now, they're not threatening me or that would create a different set of rules on self-defense, but they want to burn my business to the ground. If I point my gun at them and say, no, you're not burning my business to the ground, under the Indiana self-defense statute, as interpreted by the Court of Appeals, I go to jail for a felony uh, because I pointed my gun at someone, which I cannot do to defend my property, including my business. We think that's wrong. We think that ought to be fixed. uh, And that's what uh, House Bill uh, 1114 would do. So I want to get into a little bit more about what it means to point a weapon. Because if if you're telling me I'm in uh, a position, right, the arms are out, uh, no finger on the trigger, uh, but uh, I'm there, um, I'm, I've, I've got my triangle set, That's if it's pointed in their face or in their chest, it's pointing a gun at someone. If I'm in the low ready position, right, my elbows are a little bit bent, uh, the, the firearm is pointing down, and someone thinks I'm pointing at their feet, am I pointing a gun at somebody? Yeah, well, if, it, if, it, if the muzzle covers any part of their body, you're certainly pointing your gun at them. Plus, as a practical matter, I can tell you because I defend these cases, in the history of anyone ever being asked, let's just say someone calls the police, they call 911 and say, oh, Tony Katz had a gun. And so the police come out and they interview them. And in the history of anyone being asked the question, well, he had a gun, did he point it at you? What percentage of people think, do you think say, mm, no, I don't think he actually pointed it at me? They all say he pointed it at me. Um, and we even have a court of appeals decision here recently where someone just waving a gun side to side, quote unquote, was found to be sufficient for a conviction for pointing a firearm, which is the name of the crime. So, so really two separate questions. And, I, you know, I, I teach self-defense. I, I teach personal protection outside the home, which is what we're talking about here. And, and it's two separate questions. Look, would I point a gun at someone uh, if I'm not legally justified in pulling the trigger? Uh, would I bring a gun into any given situation when I'm not authorized uh, by law to use deadly force? My, my answer to that is, is, is invariably no, and that's how I teach self-defense, but that's a separate question. As a matter of tactics and a matter of strategy, that's a separate question. What's it, what, what I think 1114 does that's necessary is to say it's not a crime, it's not a felony if I make the decision as a matter of deterrence to point my gun at someone to defend my livelihood, which could be my business uh, or otherwise, or you know, my, my vehicle that contains all of my tools as a tradesman uh, that I make a living with. Someone wants to steal that. Um, if I point my gun and say, no, you're not stealing my means of making a living, uh, should I go to jail for a felony? So two different questions. Legality is one, uh, st- uh, strategy or tactics is another, and, and, and I think we have to answer those separately because too many people just trying to defend their business or their other property um, are now subject to being prosecuted for a felony, and we don't think that's right. Talking to Guy Relford, the gun guy on WIBC, WIBC.com, 5 to 7 p.m. on Saturdays. Uh, you can also uh, find the 2aproject.com, number two, letter A, the 2aproject.com. This brings us to lawful carry, what many refer to as constitutional carry. And this bill went through last year and passed the House and never got out of committee in the Senate. Somebody killed this thing, and no one would say who, where, why, or how. You have a story out saying that you can confirm that the 2A project has confirmed that Republican Governor Eric Holcomb is behind the effort to kill constitutional carry in the Indiana Senate. Prove it to me. 
<laughs> well, uh, we're working with a number of folks, including the Indiana State Rifle and Pistol Association and the NRA, and a number of us have reached out to the governor's office because, listen, uh, the most vocal opponent of lawful carry or constitutional carry now for several years, including during the session last year and this year, has been Indiana State Police Superintendent Doug Carter. And, and Doug, who I have a lot of respect for uh, and I like on, a, on, a, on an individual level, has come to hearings. And he said really some things pretty over the top. You know, this is going to get police officers killed, even though he has absolutely no uh, statistics or data to, to substantiate that. And we've speculated that, look, uh, the, the superintendent of state police is, is a cabinet position uh, on the governor's staff and 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 for him to show up in his in his uniform with his badge and his gun it's hard to believe he does that without the endorsement of his boss but we didn't want to necessarily draw that conclusion uh, and so we've been reaching out for two years to the governor's office directly saying listen um, we think that you must be behind the attempt to kill constitutional carry because Doug Carter, who works for you directly, uh, is showing up uh, saying the things he's saying. Uh, we think this is going to be a negative for any future political aspirations that the governor may have. Talk to us about this. You know, is this coming from you? And finally, uh, from the governor's office uh, late last week, and this was communicated directly to the folks at the Indiana State Rifle and Pistol Association who have a longstanding relationship with the governor's office, that yes, in fact, the governor opposes constitutional carry. Uh, yes, he has communicated to the Senate leadership that he does not want it to pass. So that, that was communicated uh, directly to one of the folks that we work with daily on these issues. Um, so we had it confirmed directly from the governor's office. So I don't know there's much doubt. And frankly, you know, the hand, that handwriting has always been on the wall, and I've called myself naive for even leaving open the possibility that the superintendent of state police was, was out working on his own, not necessarily at the direction of the governor. Well, we've had that put to bed. And, and, and again, it's not a surprise because, you know, going back uh, to the debate during the last election, uh, after Donald Rainwater during the, the debate was very emphatic, absolutely, we need constitutional carry, you shouldn't have to uh, get government permission to exercise a constitutional right. Question went to Governor Holcomb, who said, I don't think we should do anything that's opposed by our police officers. Well, who's the police officer that has his ear? There you go. So it's, it's not a surprise. But now that it's been confirmed, we have to say, all right, you know, I've attended a lot of fundraisers for Governor Holcomb, where we, we've shot sporting clays. You know, I remember him uh, leading the, an auction where we auctioned off a Texas battle flag with come and get it. And the, the old cannon from uh, from the, 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 the that war for independence. So, um, you know, I go back on constitutional issues with him. And I was excited when he ran for governor the first time. His wife is an NRA certified instructor that I shoot sporting clays with and I have a tremendous amount of respect for. Um, so, I thought we were going to be in a much different place so uh, let's with now, hold on a second. in the governor's office than we are, but now we have to call that a political reality, and I think I have to let people know, to the extent he has political aspirations, whether it's in the Senate or otherwise, that he is now, unfortunately, our, uh, our, uh, our antagonist uh, and our enemy on constitutional carry. And I, guy, I think that's hold on one second. Uh, guy Relford, the gun guy, the, the 2A project. Hold on one second, Guy. I want to go back over something here. Doug Carter is the superintendent of the Indiana uh, State Police. He's always been good to me and good to the show. I informed him we were having this conversation today. I invite him on the show and have invited him uh, to discuss any part of this he wants to discuss. But this is a conversation about the governor telling the state Senate, 
kill this thing. That's the that's the claim that you are making right here. Has anybody discussed what his rationale is? The politics of, well, I don't want to do anything that police don't favor. That's a political position and one that I would argue to any police officer, regardless of where they are, is a nonsense position. The rights of the people matter more than your feelings and more than making your job easy. I wouldn't take away the rights of a citizen to make a police officer's job easier, and I support police officers. But what is the governor's reticence? What is the governor's issue with lawful carry? Have we determined that? Well, no, other than he, he opposes it. He's never favored go, moving away from our licensing system. And yes, in fact, he has let that be known to Senate leadership that he's not behind constitutional carry. So uh, that confirmation came from his office, not from him directly, but from his staff. I don't know why we would question that now. And, and frankly, we've given him all kinds of opportunities to take any kind of other position. We, we've reached out for, him for, to two year, for two years. I mean, I, I've called and said, hey, I'd like to come in and, and say, you know, eventually this is going to come back and land in his lap because his superintendent is out saying the thing, the things that he's saying, and we've been ignored for two straight years until finally we received the confirmation that we did uh, here late last week. So uh, I don't know that you can fault anyone uh, on our lack of information for what the governor's thought process is other than the governor and his staff who simply want to say we don't uh, favor this, we don't support it, we want to see it die, but they're not really telling us why other than what we've heard from the mouth of Doug Carter. So the only person you've heard from is the superintendent of Indiana State Police, which is why you're bringing him up. You want to hear from Governor Holcomb. You've reached out to him on behalf of the 2A project and as a citizen and no response from the governor's office. Except late last week to the Indiana State Rifle and Pistol Association, they confirmed that the governor opposes it and wants it to die in the Senate. He is somebody who is being talked about and rumored in, in running uh, for Senate. In 60 seconds or less, how much effort will the 2A project be putting into ensuring he doesn't win the nomination? Well, you know, in, in, in that primary, um, we'll have to see who the other candidates are, and we'll fully vet everyone. Uh, and, uh, and to the extent there is a candidate that we believe supports the Second Amendment rights uh, better, then uh, now Governor Holcomb will make that very clear. And to the extent that he has, we think, turned his back on the Second Amendment on this issue, uh, he should be held accountable uh, for that position in any office he runs for, uh, certainly on a national office where he can go and have a lot of impact in Congress on two-way issues. So we'll, we'll be very energetic. That's the reason we founded the Second Amendment project, frankly, is to hold Republican legislators, Republican politicians accountable when they say one thing on the Second Amendment and do something else. Well, killing constitutional carry for at least two years in a row um, is about Might as very well be statement as, that as we think thing. you can make Guy on Ralford, the Second Amendment. I appreciate you taking time. I'm up against it. The Gun Guy, the 2aproject.com. Check it out for yourself. More coming. I'm Tony Counts. Unlawful presence in the United States will alone not be a basis for an immigration enforcement action. Shall we translate? Unlawful presence is not alone a reason to engage. That is saying that if you're in the country illegally, it doesn't mean that you're deported. That was the Secretary of Homeland Security 
Alejandro Mayorkas. Terrible. But so is this administration. They don't believe in a rule of law. They believe in a rule of nonsense. The vice president being asked about this exact subject goes back to the well of amnesty. A year ago, you took office and you outlined a series of bold steps on immigration reform. So can you tell us whether you've accomplished some of those administration's goals and where do you see yourself this year going forward with immigration? What are your expectations? So it was one of the first things we did as an administration, which is to send a bill up to Congress for immigration reform, for a pathway to citizenship. We feel very strongly about this. So all of the problems at the border, all of the failures of the administration, all the failures of you, Vice President Harris, all of the convoys still coming from Honduras and other places. And the answer is amnesty. Well, the first you don't succeed. Am I right or am I right or am I right? <sighs> I wish it was going to get better. Now, maybe Jen Psaki was right. Maybe we do need a margarita. But you know we're having bourbon. And we're just not going to wait until tomorrow. We're just going to sip and fight, people. Win elections, too. Facebook, Tony Katz Radio. Everything at TonyKatz.com. Tomorrow, everyone. Take care.